Hello, frazzled women. Welcome to Le Vital Core Salon. If you're a type A, an imposter, an activity addict, or a recovering perfectionist who secretly craves a hug or a high five on your path to success, you're in the exact right place in time and space. I'm your host and salonier, Kara Martin-Snyder. Heads up, this podcast features adult women having adult and sometimes potty mouth conversation. If you have little ones or folks who won't pardon this kind of French around, please plug in your headphones now. Each episode, my job is to introduce you to a modern woman who is out there doing their thing and leaving their unique stain on the world without letting bullshit or burnout slow them down. Welcome, everyone. I want to introduce you to RJ Redden, the Queen Ninja Guru, who helps small businesses and solopreneurs spend more time doing things that really matter. As a productivity coach, she helps badass individuals conquer technology, rock their productivity practices, and master their time and talents. Thanks to an introduction by the always amazing Megan Atkinson, and then RJ herself wowing me with her Yoda hat, here we are. So welcome, RJ, and thanks for connecting with me all the way from Omaha today. Thank you for inviting me, Kara. It is so exciting to talk to you today. I'm so excited for your podcast. This is an honor and a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yay. I'm so glad you're here. I have so many questions for you, and I'm, I'm sure people listening, once they know you're a tech geek or a tech maven, I should say, <laughs> you know, really, we'll probably have a lot of questions too. And, Beautiful. But I think one of the first questions I want to start with is we have to talk about your audacious and rather bodacious title. I, Queen Ninja Guru. Where did that come from? So I was searching for a name for my business and not really coming up with much. I read an article on LinkedIn and the article said, you should never name yourself a queen, a ninja, or a guru of anything because that makes you sound stupid. And I thought to myself, don't tell me what to do. And I named myself all three. So there you are. <laughs> the birth of Queen Ninja Guru. You are truly a rebel. <laughs> I just, I can't even write on lined paper, Kara. I just can't. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that you just kind of gave it the middle finger. It's like, I'll show you. I'll name I, myself all three. Absolutely. Well, just uh, I think I was exiting from a corporate life at that point, and uh, it just was my mood. So there, there it was. <laughs> That's awesome. So, RJ, these days you're a productivity coach, but you you started out designing and building theater sets. How yes. on earth did you make that jump? What a long, strange trip it's been. Um, I hope you've got the comfortable shoes on. So <clears throat> basically, you know, I started out many moons ago. This was, uh, I graduated from undergrad in 2000. I was working, uh, I was doing theater sets, uh, which made me so happy. A theater piece is a living piece of art. You've got sound design, light design, music design, the actors, the directors, everything, every single thing you're looking at. It's like a 3D art piece. And I really loved that world. Um, but what I didn't love about it was uh, the, the income wasn't completely stunning. 
Um, if you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, I wasn't, you know, it just wasn't, uh, it w- all that workable of a deal, but I love design. I love design. And what ended up happening to me was I started working as uh, a draft or someone who drafts, uh, plans for a small, uh, cutting die company out in a teeny town in Nebraska. I was working there um, because of my computer knowledge from the from the set design, and uh, you know one day a squirrel ran across a wire. We were out of power. If you're a computer drafter, drafter, there's absolutely nothing that you can do uh, when the lights are out, basically. <laughs> um, and. I I had been playing around with the computer for quite a while. I had discovered a little while back that instead of hitting these commands every single time, this 20 commands, uh, I had discovered that I could use automation, which was basically I went on to Google, Mother Google. I copied <laughs> some code that somebody else was using, and then I placed it in that place and I messed around with it a little bit and then boom, I could hit one button instead of 20 commands. My life changed in that moment. It was like, Oh, uh, I, you know, this is, uh, this is a certain amount of control I've never had. And so, yeah, that, that's, you know, that was started me on the way of really digging into computers, how people use computers, human computer interaction, adult learning, really, that was my launch. That was my launch pad into technology, which I absolutely love. And then from there, the move to productivity was really kind of an easy one. And it was one that I was already making without my knowledge, because <laughs> yep. that happens sometimes. Uh, what happened was, I would be be coaching people in technology, talking to them about software and apps, and here's some some efficiencies that you can create. So I was already talking about productivity in the way that productivity can certainly shorten your time and shorten your list. But there's there's this other aspect to it that says, hey, what are you going to do with that time? Are you going to fill it with more shoulds? Are you going to fill it with more obligations? Are you going to fill it with things that you really want to do that when you lay your head on the pillow at night, you feel you've mattered? You feel you've done something, made some contribution that only you can make. That's the result that I'm looking for in my clients. Um, and that's, you know, that's the, well, the result that they're hopefully getting, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's brilliant. I guess backing up, I mean, this may sound like a dumb question, but did you ever find the squirrel? that like led to this like avalanche of changes in your life? Like, do you, do you have it as a pet or is it, you know, stuffed and mounted behind you? <laughs> mounted behind me. That is so beautiful. I, I've never found that squirrel and properly thanked it. Now as a caveat, I, uh, I work from my, uh, the, the, my little office is uh, one of the bedrooms in our house right outside my window is uh, a squirrel gathering place and so i do (laughs) see squirrels on a regular basis my cat and i watch them um so i i am you know i'm present for the squirrels i uh so i mentally thank them (laughs) you're a squirrel whisperer of sorts (laughs) (laughs) i am writing that down right now kara that is beautiful 
That's an amazing, I mean, just, that's so funny. We think sometimes like when you're out trying to like foster your passion or find your passion, like sometimes it really is just something as screwball as like a squirrel walks on a wire and knocks out a whole building. (laughs) (laughs) It's so beautiful, isn't it? Uh, All those plans, all of those well-made plans. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you're doing in terms of, not only helping people do things more efficiently, like when you used the automation word, a little tingle went down my spine. It was like, ooh, efficiency, ooh. (laughs) But I, I think, you know, I think what you're doing is so neat because you're trying to make things easier for people, but then kind of also trying to make sure they're conscious about like what are you going to do with this space like you made this extra space and is it just so you can grocery shop more or just so you can clean your closet more or is it going to be some major contribution yeah and for me you know we all talk about self-care I talk about practical self-care on my show all the time because you know it's a huge thing um For me, sometimes it's not even can you make your highest contribution um, in that time. It's sometimes that highest contribution is what's that art project you've been wanting to do? You know, I have in my office, you can't see it, but I have a guitar back there. I've had it. uh, I've had a guitar since I was 16 years old. I don't know how to play it. I couldn't play you a song right now, but I take that thing down regularly and strum on the strings and, you know, just play music that only I will hear. Sometimes that's a high contribution because, you know what, I just wanted to play a little bit today. Um, And so, so yeah, I mean, sometimes it's, uh, you know, kind of a massive uh, art project, like uh, somebody I know, wink, wink. Or <laughs> sometimes it's, you know what, this space is just for me. I'm going to create and I'm going to let things flow. And it's a celebration of talent, even if nobody sees it. What does creation look like for you? Like when you're talking about art projects and like you're strumming your guitar, like, is it, I guess the the question is, you know, is this a creativity question or is this, you know, how do you play? How do I play? Oh, so many ways, Kara. Again, I'm hoping you're wearing the comfortable shoes. So I have um, I have paints downstairs. Um, I have paints. I make sculptures. Sometimes I like to just in a five minute break because I do the thing where you work hard for a certain amount of time and then you have a little bit of break and then you work hard again, you know, kind of focus type things. So in my five minute breaks, I also have a program on my Mac here called Ravel and it allows me to paint as if I was painting with paints. Oh, it's so fantastic. Wait, what? Um, Oh, I know, right? Um, it is. It allows you to like even like with acrylics and stuff. You can drag a palette knife across there. You can you can create some really crazy stuff. Wow! Uh, totally one of my favorites. Um, yeah, I love to. Uh, I love to create visual stuff. I love to also um, play with uh, my thought leadership play around the concepts that I like to talk around every talk about every day. I like to spend unfocused time 
thinking about the things that I love to think about most because sometimes it's, okay, I got to create some show topics for today. I got to get some, some things together in a straight line so that people will understand what I'm talking about. That's very focused, but I also like that unfocused energy uh, that really leads me to draw connections between topics that sometimes I didn't see before. Got it. I want to back up just so the audience is with us. Tell us a little bit about your show. Like you're, you, you mentioned show topics and the things you mm-hmm. talk about. Where can people find it? What are you doing just so everyone's on the same page? Absolutely. So I broadcast, I do live streaming, which uh, has been an absolutely wonderful thing for me. Uh, I live stream every Monday through Thursday at 2 p.m. Central. I am I actually beam it straight into Facebook Live uh, to my Queen Ninja Guru business page. And so you can find me there talking about productivity topics. Uh, and productivity topics, meaning I've gotten kind of got four pillars that I really try to focus on. Uh, one of them is essentialism, knowing what you want and knowing like knowing, uh, knowing what you don't want. Um, also experimentation. We talked a little bit about playing before and, uh, you know, being able to play with how that web page looks, being able to play with uh, what that content calendar looks like, being able to to test things and experiment. That's a major part of uh, what I'm talking about all of the time. And then there's also practice. Habit building is in there. Yeah. Um, uh, all kinds of things. And then, of course, reflection. How much does that 30,000-foot view matter? How often should you go there? Uh, and how does that add then back into the cycle of productivity? A lot of times we're, we're only talking about one side of the productivity. We're only talking about going faster. But yeah, more, better, faster, stronger. <laughs> oh, awesome, right? Let's or it's like the, like the Radiohead song, right? Like fitter, oh. happier, <laughs> yes. more productive. <laughs> Oh, it's so beautiful, isn't it? But if we never talk about, you know, there's, uh, there's that energy increasing that speed coming up against that wall. But if you don't remove the obstacles on the other side of the wall, it doesn't matter how fast you're getting there. And, uh, and so talking about those, that essentialism, talking about getting rid of your shoulds, uh, talking about those topics, uh, the reflection, the experimentation, those are the things that remove the obstacles behind that wall so that you can really, you know, go as fast as you want to go around the track. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you for taking some time to explain all of that. One of the questions I had you mentioned earlier was that you you sort of use intense focus getting shit done and then mm-hmm. small breaks to play and sort of refresh. Mm-hmm. What have you found works best for you? And maybe what have you tried that hasn't worked? Yeah, well, first I'll answer the what works best. Go for it. Um, I have... I. There's this thing. It's called Rory's Story Cubes. I'll say it again. Rory's Story Cubes. And Can you uh, say that three times fast, though? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, it is, uh, it, it, it's this, these six sided dice that have different pictures on each side and you can get kind of the basic set and you can get other sets. I have all of the sets and in my five minute time, I have this little box that I roll into. I roll the dice and I make a story out of the images that come up. Whoa. Um, yeah, and then I have uh, Zoom cubes, which have, uh, they have a letter of the alphabet on every side of these six-sided die. I roll those as well, and I make a couple of words, and I add it into the story. I can make a little story in five minutes. It doesn't even have to make sense, but it totally triggers that creative side of my brain. And then when I get back to work, uh, I'm, you know, I'm putting putting ideas together, and it just, it feels like, it feels like I'm getting fed even when I'm working. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's That's fantastic to be able to just have something that you can kind of plug into. Yeah. And, and I've been playing with word doodles, just <gasps> kind of like, you know, opening up a book or opening up a dictionary and kind of dropping my finger somewhere and picking a few different words and then kind of just doodling for a few minutes. Yeah. And nice. Like those kinds of things, they really can, they can break that flow when you're in the like, I got to do what's the next thing. Like for me, I always have to manage that energy pretty yeah. with a, with a very short leash some days. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're saying to me. Yes. <laughs> I can, I can be one, one productive mother trucker when I need to be. And sometimes it's to my detriment. So I, I love you have this playful approach. What's the what's the split of time for you? Like some people, you know, say 30 minutes you're spent. Some people are like 45 minutes. I've heard an hour. I've heard 90 minutes. What what blocks work for you? Most of the time, it's 25-5. It's 25 on, 5 off. Um sometimes I run a little bit over five if I've run to make a cup of coffee or something, you know, and that's, that's super cool. But most of the time, the 25, five, and then after four of those, I'll take a nice longer break. I'll, I'll watch an episode of something on YouTube. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do something else uh, for a little bit of time, but that's, that's really what works for me. Sometimes if I'm Pomodoroing, that's what that's called. Pomodoroing, um, made up a word. Uh, if I'm doing that in a group, I would rather have 20 minutes of on time and 10 minutes of off time because five minutes, if you're with a group or whatever, it just really isn't enough. It feels like you have to have to get back to work all the time. And eh, that isn't fun. So I like getting to know the people I'm with. Cool. Cool. How do you keep your work fun? Like you have all these breaks built in, but there's also those 25 minutes of quote unquote work. Yes. And so how do I keep that fun? I make sure that some of it is in the first place. Um, for me, I'm not working on spreadsheets all day. If I were, uh, that would be uh, an entirely different story. But I'm, you know, I have the ability to shift. So if I'm working on something like 
I don't know, writing emails back and forth, which is totally not my favorite thing to do and very, very administrative. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm doing that, that administrative type stuff, I need to make certain that there's a fun Pomodoro in there somewhere, that there's uh, let's make up the next crazy character I'm going to play on Facebook Live. Let's, you know, let's let's add uh, add some fun in there because so much of productivity, it's not just time management. As we've talked about, it is also emotion management and yeah. energy management. I was just going to say energy management, like your battery can come down so fast or be recharged just based on what you're doing. Oh, absolutely. And the intent behind what you're doing and the playfulness behind what you're doing. So absolutely. Um, those three I find are really kind of nail it for me, um, adding emotion and energy management into time management. Very cool. Very cool. And, you know, we've been talking about productivity and it's such a buzzword these days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was when I was putting together some questions and thinking about this, I, I looked up how many times just even hashtag productivity was used. And I think it was like it was at the time, you know, a few days ago was 129 tweets per hour. So mm-hmm. people are talking about this and they're talking about it a lot. And that's yeah. just Twitter. Never mind everywhere else. Right. Yet, if if you're a geek about this stuff, like. I am like you are. I mean, I was the kid that had a Franklin planner by junior high. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I was winning any cool kid awards at that point, but like, goddamn, I was getting some goals set. <laughs> so, yeah, baby. You know, I think it was before Covey even got up in that. But <laughs> Nice. But this concept of productivity can be really polarizing out there. Like, you know, there seems to be, be this like good versus evil kind of clash what are what have you been seeing in the in the circles that you dwell in or what are you, what are you taking away from the flotsam and jetsam Well for me I think that there's even there's even a a more bigger twist uh, to all of this is because there's so much technology out there that sort of is trying to help you tell a lie to yourself that you're more productive what I'm talking about is a thousand notifications a day streaming in all of the time that is designed to help us feel more productive and responsive to our environments. Uh, But usually it has the opposite effect. So what I'm talking about is, you know, you get notification, you know, everybody has their work email on their phone. Now that there was a time when people didn't do that. Uh, All of the notifications from Facebook, text messages, notification, you know, social media notification is out the freaking, it's just out the wazoo. And then you also have all the different apps that you have. Some of them actual productivity apps telling you things, telling you things, telling you things. (laughs) Those, you know, and, and here's, here's the secret, here's the secret sauce. So, uh, my job before I decided to go ahead and go solo was that I worked with a software team that did software development and we built a mobile app and we did not put in any notification into that mobile app that was really designed to help you be more productive. We put all, and it was a, it was a customer relationship management software. Okay. 
we put every single notification in to the app so you would come back. That's all. That's yep, all. It just it reminded was. you to come to the app. <sighs> Open. Open Sesame. That's all we cared about. Um, well, and I say we, not really me. I wasn't really meant for that job. But um, app makers out there put those notifications in, not necessarily to make you more productive. Sometimes it's come on back here. The water's fine. We're all swimming here. Shouldn't you should be swimming too? Uh, that's that's the kind of message. And so for me, the the dark side of productivity, if you will, and they don't have cookies because I checked. Uh, <laughs> the dark side of productivity is this: we are we are you know uh, visibly ostentatiously trying to make you more productive, but. All of those notifications don't make you more productive. Like, so you were talking about Franklin, uh, Franklin Covey a little while back. Yep. Do you, do you remember that that video of him where he's talking about the habits of highly successful people and he's putting rocks in a jar? Do you remember this? Yes. Is this like the big rocks? Yes. Yes, of course. Break so it down. Tell people, tell people this story because I know, I know what you're talking about, but... Well, it's super cool. And so he's talking about looking at your schedule, either weekly or monthly, and kind of deciding on what are the biggest priorities. And then, um, and so he's, vi he's helping you visualize this by saying, okay, he's got these piles of rocks on this desk, and he's got this jar. And he's like, okay, how am I gonna? How am I gonna get all these rocks in the jar? And then he starts putting stuff in, and it's it, you know it's not fitting. I mean, all of the stuff is you know he's putting stuff in in random order, and nothing is fitting. And he's like, how am I gonna get all these rocks in the jar? Well, and then he kind of takes that all away and starts again. And he says, you put the biggest rocks in first, and then you put the smaller rocks in, and then you get till you get to the point where you got grains of sand, and and then magically everything fits in the jar. So, you know, he's, he's basically telling you project planning, uh, which is really great. Uh, the analogy, the place that I take that analogy is you've got your big rocks in your plan. You've got your big rocks in your jar. You've got some of the medium rocks in there. Notifications are sand. And if you, <laughs> they're more like grit, <laughs> they're more like grit. If you pour enough into that jar and you pack it absolutely full You've got no room to think. You've got no room to be creative. It's like trying to stir wet sand when you're trying to be creative and come up with something. You know, it doesn't even have to be an art project. It could be a presentation. Uh, that Those notifications will stick your brain into place. And it happens at such a subtle level that most people never notice it. Most people, you were asking me before, you know, what do you fill your five-minute breaks with? What, what doesn't work? What doesn't work? Notifications. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you're, you're preaching to the choir talking to me. I mean, I see it, you know, I see it on the other end where, like, I walk around sometimes on the street and I see everybody, you know, with phones in front of them. They're looking down. They're hunched over. Their posture is just, like, starting to fall apart. And it it physiologically mimics, like, a depressed person like when you see someone yes, who's depressed or yes. anxious and like you know heart very closed shoulders rolled forward head down and like everyone spending all this time like hunched over like that is just like 
triggering this physiological, like, depressed response. And I see it everywhere. And I, I know, like, my own work suffers. Like, I, my phone goes into do not disturb a lot during the day. Very you know, good. like, I'll do, like, blocks, like, I'll schedule blocks during the week that I just, I call ideation. But it's really just whatever I need some creative time around that week. Maybe it's writing a blog post. Maybe it's you know, a show, maybe it's writing the questions for an interview, like whatever that is, but requires some mental capacity and no interruptions. You know, and I think sometimes it drives some of my friends and close family members nuts because they're like, I texted you or I, you know, I, they know I'm pretty connected social media wise and stuff like that, but it is very batched for me behind the scenes. And that's an absolutely perfect way to do that when it's batched, when there is a certain time period. So we talk a lot about inbox zero in the, in the dojo. And we talk about, you know, and that's kind of a thing where you, you have certain times that you answer the email. First of all, you clear it all into a folder called old, start from scratch. And then like, say once an hour, you get into your inbox you do it, delegate it, or delete it with everything that's there, and then you close your inbox. It's a time, you know, where you are being responsive. If you're doing it once an hour, you know, unless you've got a sucking chest wound and you are emailing me about it, <laughs> <laughs> getting back to you within an hour should be fine. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh, we we talk about that a lot, that batching experience, that that thing that says, okay, It's time for me to check to see if there's anything there in Facebook Messenger for me right now. It's not a constant because you were talking just a second ago about being, you know, the posture of people sort of leading them into this depressive state. The mental part of it is you are constantly fighting a flood and you are never going to win. Yeah. And there's just going to be more. It's going to come faster. Like, there's there's really no winning in there's terms no winning. of that how how have you seen either from a personal perspective or with clients how have you seen people find peace with that like there's the whole fomo thing right and then, right. and like oh my god if we miss a notification the the arctic is going to melt and the polar bears will have no home and oh yes New York will be submerged and so will Florida and it's the end of time. And the terrorists will win. Yeah, (laughs) I'm in. Yeah. Except for the cockroaches because we know those bastards cannot be beaten. (laughs) (laughs) That's so beautiful, Kara. Um, So the, the question was, I forgot the question. So the question is, how have you seen people find peace with the deluge? So peace with the deluge. So first of all, the batching that you talked about, I do it all the time. And I was really afraid as a coach, you know, part of what I uh, offer people is you get instant, uh, you know, messenger chat, you get instant access to me. I've set up a team for all my folks and, you know, I check the Slack every once in a while. Um, I, I, you know, I'm promising this instant access and yet I'm shutting it off for 55 minutes and then on for five and what, how I came to peace with it myself and now how I teach other people to come to peace with that is 
hey, if you're absolutely constantly available for every second, then you, when people get a hold of you, how much of you are you really even able to give them? If you're constantly wondering whether five or six or seven people are texting you right now, um, if you're constantly online available all the time, that one person who really needs your help, you might not be able to focus on very well. And so what part of it is more important to you? Constant availability or really being right here, right now in this space, com- talking to the person you're talking to. Um, to me, when I give I give people a choice like that, then they're able to more logically see that the better choice is talking to the people I'm talking to, making a, making a connection with the person I'm talking to right now. The other five, six people that have just texted, Facebook notified, and chatted me up, fantastic. Uh, they'll wait a few minutes. <laughs> wow. So you're really helping people dial back into being very present. Not even just productive, not even just prioritized, but also present. Right, because if you think about if you think about it on like the Maslow hierarchy of needs, which I disagree Ooh. with entirely, but if you think about that, that you're triangle, rolling deep here. Well, I know, right? That's what master's degrees will do for you, kids. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> if you think about that Maslow hierarchy of needs, um, the one of the chunks on the bottom for me, productivity wise, is presence. You cannot be productive if you're not present. You can check some things off your list, but more more likely than not, you'll go back and realize you've missed something or you have to redo something. Um, If I'm present, if I'm doing what I'm doing with intention, then I really do get it done because I don't have to redo it later. (laughs) Yes. And Hearing that, I mean, it makes me think back to my my days in public accounting and in consulting where, you know, you'd work a 14-hour day. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you took a break or got – like did anything except, you know, caffeinate for a few minutes, mm-hmm. you know, you really – you weren't a team player. You, you You were the lazy person on the team and things like that. And I look back now – and think about what I get done in half the time because I'm really focused. And there's a part of me that just weeps for like my my 22, 23, 26-year-old self. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was all about billable time. It was yeah. all about how much can we charge for your time. It was, you know, completely focused one way. Speed up, speed up, speed up. If you feel like you're slowing down, go get a cup of coffee. Uh, you know, don't, you know, we can't, we can't let up on this rate. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, the industrialized concept of productivity is exactly like that. Speed up, speed up, speed up. Um, to me, it is a much more about the organic. If you think about a a muscle, how a muscle grows, you, uh, squeeze like if like a little bicep curl you squeeze it and then you let it go and then you squeeze it and then you let it go and if you do that enough times and then you have some rest in between your muscle will grow if you squeeze your bicep and keep it squeezed uh <laughs> your your muscle is going to fail 
Yep. And, you know, my emotions, my energy, my time, all of those things work together. I'm trying, we're trying to build the muscle here, not wear it out and burn it out because, uh, you know, and in, in, in the industrial concept, well, if you're burned out, we'll just go get another one. But yeah. baby, if I'm the only one I'm relying on, if I burn out, um, that's a big problem. I can't just go get another me. Well, it, it makes me think, I remember one of the moments, and for me, I sat for the CPA exam in Massachusetts, and you needed two years of experience, unlike other states. And right. I remember at some point, you know, maybe a year and a half in of trying to earn my hours so that I could actually get my CPA license, you know, this this card from heaven that right. everything <laughs> in my life will be amazing if I'm a licensed CPA, because... That's what you think after you invest that much time into studying. And I remember being on this job and this partner thinking he was really funny made this joke. And I remember it to this day. And he said, associates are like pencils. Break one, buy another. Mm. And I remember thinking... You know, I just sort of stood there and I smiled because that's what you did. And right. Like, don't rock the boat too much. And then I went in the other room and I thought I was going to puke. I was like, oh, my God. Like, the, you know, the, the burnout, it, it really, you know, we were just pieces in a game for people. Yeah. And I think that was like one of the first moments where I was like, oh, dear God, what have I done? <laughs> I'm not yeah. on the right path. What happened? <laughs> and how do I get out of this? And how do I do this without my mother killing me? <laughs> yes. The big corporate job is what you're supposed to want. Yeah. And then, you know, eventually it did burn me out. So, yeah. you know, I think you raise a really important point, like, who's left to, to deal with the burnout. And it's like, oh, we are. <laughs> yeah. We are ourselves. We are. <laughs> that partner didn't give a shit if, if I burnt out or 27 other associates burnt out. No. No. Employee number 247. Well, let's go get 248. Fantastic. <laughs> exactly. Get on that, secretary. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that was that was kind of a I don't want to say a failure, but it was one of those moments that was that registered as like, oh, shit. Have you ever had any moments like that? Oh, like when I really realized my worth to a company um, or my worth to a group of people that I was working with, say. Yeah, what did what happened there? Do you mind sharing? So, no, no problem. I, I absolutely love it. So I was telling you uh, way back early in the podcast about the day that I realized that I could totally make this computer do like 20 different tasks with the press of a button. <laughs> that was a beautiful and auspicious day, my friend. So fast forward about six months and I'm standing with the computer guy. I, at that point, am a drafter. Um, I draw things for a living. I don't compute for a living. And I had figured out, uh, I worked in this great big die company where they made scrapbooking dies, which are, um, they're basically uh cutouts. Um, they're, 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 they're things that produce cutouts. I won't go into the explanation because it's So this a is boring. like if you, like if you want to buy like a custom stamp or something like that, is this the, the, yeah. the machination behind how that gets yeah. made? 
Totally. Somebody has to draw that custom stamp in a way that all of the machines will process it and the people who are actually making the physical thing so that they can process it through their machinery and and so on. Yeah, great way to explain that. Great way to explain that. So um, I'm standing with the computer guy and I'm saying to him, listen, if we went through every single drawing we had and we just made it so that the text that labels the drawing gets this size in this place with this font, they would be able to process everything out in the shop so much faster. And he looked at me and he said, uh, how many how many drawings are there? And I said, oh, there are about 40,000 dice. <laughs> and he... And I said, and you could make a little, a little, write a little script that opens the drawing, uh, looks for the thing, puts it over here, make sure it's this font, this height, save the drawing, move on to the next one. And I'm explaining to him how, how it goes. And he said, that's impossible. And I thought to myself, you are telling me this because you want me to go away, not because it's impossible. <laughs> I shall show you. And uh, it took me probably three months, but I made it through all those files individually. And, uh, and I, you know, yeah, I made it happen because it was like, can't you see the value of this? And so that, okay, so that was one experience. Now that leads to this big, huge experience I had. So, uh, it was it was another day when a squirrel ran across a wire. This, we I don't know. We worked in the wilderness apparently. I don't know, but squirrel ran across the wire. Computers are dead again. You're not really selling technology in Nebraska right now. <laughs> Most people don't think we have electricity anyway, but uh, I am proof that we do. So um, so anyway, I'm sitting in the office again, and I saw how we could automate a job that took eight hours every single day. One of those jobs where the bosses walked in with the stack of papers, and they would set it down on a certain area of the desk, and then everybody would sort of imperceptibly turn away from the papers because we all <laughs> hated this job so much. And uh, one day when the lights went out, I figured out how we could automate the whole thing um i saw it in my head it looked like a game of tetris and i'm like this could fall into if we could just make these three computer systems so basically it was we were manually inputting uh this stack of information into three different systems i i suddenly found a way we could just make the computers talk to each other um, and that, um, that experience absolutely blew me away. It took me six months. I had to enlist the help of the programmer and we cut an eight hour job into a half an hour job. And then we were all freed up to do all of this huge backlog of drawings. It was so beautiful. Whoa. Oh, it was amazing. But and I'm, I'm sensing a butt is coming. Well, and who would know better than you when a butt is coming? Yes, uh, this butt <laughs> is absolutely coming down the road because um, what happened after that was I I had stayed late over, I think it was July 4th weekend. I didn't have much to do anyway. I had stayed late and done a bunch of overtime. And my my bosses had changed a couple of weeks ago and this new boss came up to me and she was like, why were you in the building at midnight 
<laughs> and I was like, so your fabulous new system could work. I had to do it after hours because that's how computers work. And uh, it it really felt in the following meetings like she was trying to demonize me or make me smaller in order to make herself bigger in order to fit into this new job she had. And I thought to myself, and it was all too easy for that to happen. So, and that's when I thought, okay, I've seen my real value to this company. Maybe it's time to probably move on. And And you're seeing the writing on the wall. Like this, the situation is probably only going to squeeze you more. (laughs) It's only going to squeeze me more. This is not, going to get better. If you can look at the volume of work I've done and the volume of money I've saved the company and bitch to me that I have two hours of overtime this week, that is enough. That is enough. And I moved on. How did you, I mean, that's the, that's sort of the neat version of it. And I, I think this is something that women face, right? Like this is a show about how women can survive bullshit without burnout. Mm-hmm. If if there was a woman listening that was kind of in in that situation, like just feeling like the train is coming, this boss, this coworker, like and especially when it's a boss, you know you're a little bit powerless in that situation. How did you know immediately like what 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 were the telltale signs and like what helped you recognize go or stay? What really helped me was to get it out of the context of this is happening to me. A friend of mine said to me, because I was really like, I don't know what to do. I put this much time in. These were my expectations. And instead of, I don't know, give me a raise and let me work on the computer some, they're basically painting me out to be horrible. And I, you know, I don't know what to do here. So I was going to my friends and saying, I, you know, I, I don't even know what to think of this. And distraught, and, probably. Oh, I, you know, that was not what I thought would my reward would be after putting in that much time, love, and effort. And so I spoke to one friend and she said, RJ, turn it around. Would you be able to look at it more objectively if I asked you this? What if it were me? What if I came to you and said, this is what's happening to me. What would you advise me to do? And boom, it was like, people aren't valuing you. You've got to find something else where people will value you. I mean, the answer was right there, but when my emotions are so tied up in that, and that's that emotion management stuff again, when my emotions are so tied up in that, I can't see, it's like trying to count your fingers when your hand is an inch from your nose. Uh, You can't see it. It's too close. And so the second that somebody was able to help me objectively see what's logically going on here, um, and I, I was able to detach my emotions and say, this is... It's logical that I move on at this point because I'm in this for me. I've now gotten all of the stuff that I'm going to get. And it's time for me to go. Wow. So you really were able to, I guess, let me ask, were you able to come to that quickly? It, well, 
at the uh, time, it felt like a million years long, right? <laughs> well, at the time, uh, you know, it's like uh, that blog post took me six months and three hours to write. Uh, you know, you've got the six <laughs> months of working on it, thinking about it, and then you got you sit down and you. Um, I was working on that problem and thinking about it for probably a good three months, and then uh, within five minutes, I had my answer, and I knew at that moment. Sometimes it just takes admitting it to myself. I knew in that moment that that was absolutely the right thing for me to do. There was no more, oh, but I'm going to hurt people's feelings. Oh, but I could get some more out of this. Oh, but I could. No, no, no. I wasn't going to get any more out of it. And I knew it. Got it. And that has to be a scary move, too. Like when, especially there's something when it's your job. Yeah. Like there's a sense of security that come with having that paycheck. So how how did you muster up the bravery? Or was it just there inherently? Uh, well, it wasn't necessarily bravery. There might have been a touch of that in there. But I would have to say that there was more anger and stubbornness also going on. <laughs> Are you a Martin? <laughs> A Martin, what is that? That's my maiden name, but we are a oh. stubborn, stubborn, stubborn stock. <laughs> I prefer to use the word focused. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, when it, when I finally saw, hey, this, there will be no more for you except for this over and over again, then that gave me the energy because I know, so a couple of times I've been in a situation where uh, I probably should leave this and find something else. Um, in one situation, I stayed on for two years more than I needed to uh, after I met that realization, just because I was so exhausted when I came home every night that I didn't have the energy to look for another job. I knew I needed to. Um, this is a totally separate job than what I'm, you know, what I was talking about before, but you know, I just, uh, there are times that, you know, you need to, but you just, you can't manage it because of the, the energy. Um, you know, it was so low all the time after I came home. Um, so though, you know, what I ended up doing in that situation was I physically walked out of that job. Wow. Cause yeah, I mean, hearing you say like my heart cracked a little bit when I heard you say, two years. And that's, that's not uncommon. I mean, behind the scenes in the work that I do, you know, I feel like relationships come up underneath, mm -hmm. you know, it starts with, with diet and exercise and mm -hmm. all the things that feel really easy to talk about, but underneath things sometimes and, and intertwined and embedded and enmeshed with, with all of those things you know, are the broken relationships, the jobs that are just killing us slowly. And two years is a long time to, to feel that. I mean, what did it feel like for you? So it was, it was a job. Then this was right before I went into business for myself. And that was part of why it took so long. Um, so it was, uh, this is the most recent corporate experience that I had. Uh, which was a shindig and a half. We'll have to podcast that one, a whole other <laughs> podcast for this job. Uh, it was amazing. It was a human rights violation, this thing. It was just ridiculous. Oh um, and I actually knew that the job was wrong for me before I took it. Um, and I said no. 
Uh, I actually refused the job when they offered it to me. But the situation I I was in was difficult. I had been dating this girl for eh, five, six months maybe. Wasn't, Wasn't at all ready to move in. Um, and my, you know, I had been trying to do my own business before, but it just was not working out. I was borrowing money from my friends. It wasn't good. Yep. They offered me this job. I thought, I said to myself, there's no way that I'm going to fit in at this place. Um, there's no way that the owner and I are going to really mesh. Mm, I better not take this one, even though it looks really good. And then, you know, a couple of the other things that I was thinking about fell through and I ended up taking this job because it was really the only thing out there and I needed to get out of working working for myself at that time because I wasn't able to make it work. Yep. And uh, and so, you know, I mean, three separate times, um, Megan, uh, my now wife begged me to leave that job. But <laughs> we, we, you know, like, and we, we got into more of a solid and solid spot you know, emotionally and with our relationship. And when it ended up happening was something came up and it was just an absolute deal breaker with this job, which was already, you know, pretty close. Yeah, to it was. <laughs> Dear God, uh, I was pretty close to deal breaking anyway. But then something came up and I felt solid enough. Uh, Megan and I had talked about me leaving uh, if I needed to and I needed to. And I was, you know, I was solid enough in my relationship and. You know, I called her on the way home. Uh, I was crying. <laughs> I said, I quit. I, I did it today, honey. I left. And she said, good job. We're going out to lunch to celebrate. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Yeah. And we, we were engaged to be married at that time, too. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it was absolutely the right thing to do. I, you know, if I could go back, I probably would have made that choice a little sooner. There was some powerful lessons there. What do you, what do you most take away as lessons? What I most take away in, you know, lessons from leaving something that absolutely, I, from day one and probably before then, square peg, round hole. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're talking about, RJ, like <laughs> trying to sublimate your personality into a role that doesn't fit. Never been there. Have no idea. <laughs> and no one within the sound of our voices know what, knows what that's like either. Um, for me, it was finally, finally, like, okay, so the next day, I was, I, you know, I, I drove home. I, I told you about the phone call. I drove home. I took a nap because I absolutely was so emotionally exhausted. I needed one. And we went out to Buffalo Wild Wings, which is our restaurant of choice here in Nebraska. <laughs> and uh, and we talked about the next moves. And then the very following day, I got up first thing in the morning. I went out to the garage. Uh, the garage had not been cleaned since I lived here. I'd been, I'd been living here mm, two years by that time. Uh, I cleaned the garage. And as menial and ridiculous as that sounds... <laughs> I, I felt at the end of the day when the garage was clean, like I had affected more of the world and ha- and produced more valuable, something valuable, uh, produced more than I had in the entire two years I've been working at that job. It was oh just like, my gosh. Like, look at this. This is clean. This is set up for when Megan and I are running in and out of here. And... Uh, I feel like I've made a better contribution right now than I did in the entire two years I was working. 
at that job. So, And there's nothing like doing something physical like that as well in that moment, like to just have that energy. It totally changes your locus of control when you do something physical or make something physical happen. A hundred percent, yes. How does, I know you are, you're, you're doing creative stuff to break up your day. You're, you're working in these like really focused bits. How about the self-care? Like where does, where does moving the body, where does unplugging? I know you have like five screens in front of you, don't you? I do. That boggles my mind. I can barely handle my 13-inch MacBook some days. I, well, it's my love. It's my love. True. To be able to switch from thing to thing. Um, And then there are times that I unplug everything but my MacBook. Uh, But you asked me about unplugging entirely, how to, you know, get in the body moving, that kind of thing. Let me tell you about the pool. (laughs) No one can reach me in the pool. (laughs) If you have a gushing head wound and you have called me, my phone is in the locker and you're going to have to deal with an ambulance instead, which will probably be more effective. Um, I love the pool. I love going. The sound of it is peaceful. Um, I look like a huge freak when I do it too. You know, I am, I'm wearing a bright blue short shirt and, uh, some bright orange board shorts. And if anybody has anything to say about it, I say the fashion shows around the corner. Thanks for asking. And, fashion week uh, is in New York. It's in Bryant Park a couple times a year. Head over there. It is so not in Omaha. Um, But yeah, I mean, I have a swim cap on. I have fins. I have flippers. uh, I am I am decked out, baby. And the the coolest thing about that is everybody else looks that way, too. And uh, I'm getting my body moving in my environment of choice. That's what happened when I dropped some shoulds. I tell me more, RJ. Okay, darling. Uh, I'd be so happy to. Well, so my my show, The Dojo, that's part of the community, the Facebook community that I belong to called The Dojo. We do belt tests in there, obviously, because we're grasshoppers and that's what we do. And uh, we level up our productivity every once in a while. We did one a couple of months ago uh, called Go Shouldless. And in that, you you make a list of all your shoulds. You replace certain shoulds with wants because sometimes those are actually things you want to do. And then you get rid of the rest of them. When that happens, you know, like one lady had 41 shoulds. She dropped down to 14 when she did that exercise. Boom. Congratulations to her. It was so fantastic. Oh, people had such wonderful results from this thing. What happened to me was I realized because one of my shoulds was I should exercise more. If it's a should and I go to do that should, I do it the way that I think that I should do it. If it's a want and I replace that I should exercise more with I want to exercise more, then I get to design what happens. (laughs) And here come the orange and blue outfits with fins. (laughs) So absolutely, that's what happens. When I'm doing it because I should do it, then I'm going to do it in the way that – 
exercise experts have told me that uh, overweight uh, women should, uh, you know, do this thing. And, And I get on the treadmill, which I hate. And I breathe hard, which I hate. And I do that for however long they've said to do it. And I go home and I don't feel any damn better. (laughs) But if I get to design the experience, now that it's something that I want to do, I want to go swim for an hour and a half. I don't even swim in the normal way, darling. I do some sort of a ninja crawl. Uh, that you I'm know, still mostly a dog paddle, so I'm not judging you. Like I, yes. I gave up swimming lessons in eighth grade. Like, and that was like I can float. I can get away from something if I need to quickly. But I yes. am not performing any sort of Olympic feats. This is not Michael Phelps. Uh, this is not. Uh, absolutely. Well, and so I do a modified ninja paddle is what I call it. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm in my element. I'm doing what I have chosen to do. I want to swim for an hour and a half. And then I want to go sit in the hot tub for 10 minutes. Uh, and then I want to take a shower and leave. Whole process. I mean, it takes me a little while. But when I design the experience, I get a thousand percent more out of it. When I'm moving my body in the way that I choose to move my body, I feel so much better. I feel more productive. I have not even been at my desk. It's it's amazing. It's magical. That's fantastic. And I you know, as you were talking, it it really makes me think when you're when you're approaching it from that perspective you when you say I want to go swimming then you're also thinking and on a conscious or unconscious way breaking down all those obstacles like you're you're thinking about like all right well what are the things stopping me from wanting to do this or being able to do this in the way I want to be doing it and literally like you made it fun for yourself and when it's fun you'll do it it's it's kind of this funny circular loop right Totally, totally. And it's a, it's a whole changing that locus of control. When I'm, when I'm shooting, it's outside of me. Other people, other expectations, whether they come from me or people around me or the culture at large, those things are in charge of what I'm doing. Do I enjoy what I'm doing? No, 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 no. But I'm doing what I should be doing. Whereas if I take that back and say, I want to do this, when I design the experience, when I'm in control of that, then that makes me, I mean, it makes me feel better just about, you know, the the big crazy world that we live in and my place in it. So damn cool, RJ. <laughs> I love that. I love where this conversation has gone. I, But I do want to be respectful of your time because I know we have certainly gone past a couple of your 25-minute windows as we've been talking today. And I know you're probably ready to like get up and do something awesome and creative. <laughs> There are oh, I love talking to you. This is a blast. And I, Roger that, ditto that. I love <laughs> having this conversation with you too. But there are some questions that I like to ask every guest. And I'm just going to pop them at you. And I call them the champagne questions. They're shorter, teenier, bubble-like questions. Okay. You can expand as much as you want. Um, okay. But I'll just, I'm going to, toss some some underhand softball pitches at you as we go beautiful what song pumps you up or soothes you the most well the answer to this is a little odd 
But I really love sad music. I could listen to the Counting Crows all day on repeat and have. So that's <laughs> that's not necessarily a, a, a single song. Um, but, well, I, I, the one song that gets me every time is Have You Seen Me Lately by the Counting Crows, especially any acoustic version. Uh, that You're like, just it, to take it down and make it a little bit more raw, right? <laughs> more raw emotion yeah i know i don't know why i love sad songs so much my wife cannot stand my music uh (laughs) but that's what it is as a woman who has listened to the nationals high violet like 10 billion times yes you know or or walking wounded from everything but the girl which was always the greatest breakup album ever like i totally I, I get where you're going, RJ. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Here's another one for you. What do you go back to for inspiration again and again? Hmm. This is an interesting answer, but I go back to, for inspiration again and again, I go back to my theater days. I go back to... That environment, that sort of experimental environment where you could, you know, I never professionally acted, but when I was doing that for fun, um, when I was, you know, when you could, you, you were given a situation, you were given some lines to say, if it wasn't improv, you were given a costume to wear, you were given certain boundaries, but inside those boundaries, you could create whatever you wanted. So I like to, you know, when I need to be inspired, I like to think back toward those days. I like to think about um, when the stage is completely empty and there's no scenery on it and you're just kind of in that beginning rehearsal stage, there's something called a skeleton light. It's a light bulb that they roll out to the middle of the stage and it's a bare light bulb covered by a little cage and so that people won't, you know, fall all over themselves in the dark. I like to think about that when I when I want to be inspired. I like to think about going to a dark stage alone. What would I express? What would be valuable and important about that? What, um, you know, I, it's, it's like thinking of a blank canvas for an artist, except it's flipped around into theater. Those are the things that really, those moments, you know, if it were, if it were your last day, what would you want to express? Um, those are the things that inspire me. Very cool. I, the, I love this. Like I get to learn something new every day and that's, that's a concept I don't think I ever would have had a clue about. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Let's see. This is probably a loaded question for you. but Load it. Do it. What's your favorite tool, app, gadget, or I'll even say just resource in general? My favorite gadget in general, and there are so many that I'm sifting through right at this moment, but I would have to say that I'm completely in love right now with this new Blue Jeans app that allows me to transport my show into Facebook Live. I 
I love it so much. The the thing about it is that I've had, you know, I've been working on my content and working on my audience connection and all that kind of stuff that you do when you've got a show going on. You know what I'm talking about. I'm learning. <laughs> You're learning, baby. You are doing great. This interview has been so fun. And the way that you prepped me for it, the the, the emails, this is what you need. These are the questions. <laughs> Thank when you. I, when I interviewed you last let, this week, actually, I didn't have a tenth of that preparation. So <laughs> you are going gangbusters. Anyway, I'd worked so hard on the content and I have a really great audience base that is so beautiful. But, I, you know, I want to make it bigger. And this, you know, I switched to this new thing this week and it is lighting up my life to be able to be caught by people who are just rolling by. And it is to me, it's an it's an amazing amplification of a message, and I'm completely in love with it. Now, if you ask me next week, it will be something else. <laughs> but I just wanted this so is much why to- we'll have to have you on again. <laughs> I'm I'm in. I am all the way in. Very cool. And I have to say, on the other side of our Blue Jean conversation, it was really easy to use. Like, it was so easy for me to plug into as a guest. And it's like, oh, this is happening. Wonderful. I'm so glad to hear that because uh, many people will be afflicted. (laughs) Many, many, many people. (laughs) And let's see. This is another... This is another question. You can tell what I'm interested in by these questions, right? But sure. like for a heavy hitter like yourself, this is I know this is a large question I'm asking. How do you organize or manage your tasks on a day-to-day basis? Excellent. Good question. Okay, so I have a uh a board, a Trello board. Let me explain. You can also go to Trello.com and uh, do a little free trial. Actually, I have a free account. I've had it for years. So uh, you can continue on the free trial uh, forever if you'd like. And I'll post a link to that so people have it. Do, do. It's awesome. In this electronic space, I, I take every single idea that I have and I'm able to write it down very, very quickly and then sort it into different columns. Um, one is a column of duns. Uh, these are the things that I've done because I need to look at and be proud of the things that I've accomplished as much as I'm looking at my to-dos and going, damn it, why haven't you gotten that done yet? My I, heart almost exploded when you said that. I ask <laughs> women to celebrate their successes and the things that they are accomplishing a lot of the time. So yeah, my heart just like, you know, very much leapt out of my chest like a cartoon character and then came back in and started beating really fast. (laughs) I saw that as it was happening. (laughs) Absolutely. I am proud to usher in these experiences for you. I am proud (laughs) to do it. Um, Yeah, because we spend so much time focused on what we didn't do. Um, I need that column. I need it. It's all the way over to the left. Next to that, I have a column of things I'm working on today. Um, There are not many things in that list. Um, There aren't. uh, And that is fine. Um, Sometimes I, uh, I end up adding to that list and then shunting that item over. Uh, to my duns, uh, you know, if I've done something so that I can look at that list and be proud of it again. Uh, next to that, I have a column of to do within the next week. Uh, nice. Some things have due dates assigned, 
But if I'm working on it within the next week, I can say, yes, that's a to-do, fantastic, I'll set a date on it. And then I don't need to consider that thing again until I move it into my today column. Okay. Um, and then I have the big bucket of dreams. Um, <laughs> many things, many things are there. None of them have due dates. That's fine. Obligations and desires is it a mix or? Yes, yeah, it's totally a mix. It's totally uh, a dream space uh, of, you know, if you could do anything. It's people that walk up to me and say, RJ, you could try this. And I go, I could. And then if I, you know, if I put it in that space where I see that stuff when I glance at it, then I'm able to give that more thought without, Ta you know, hacking into my schedule. Um, so I find that I find those four main columns to be, Oh, uh, it's actually five. Uh, I find those main columns to be just absolutely indispensable. Um, as you, as you go, uh, as you go right on my screen, you'll see more vague, fuzzy stuff. That's yep. wonderful. As you go left, you get much more focused and what's this Pomodoro going to be like? And then you end with the celebration. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I love Trello. I love it. I've never opened Pandora's box with Trello. I feel like it's one of those things that I can't tell if I'm going to love it or just feel so boggled by it at first. Like I tend to well, go all in with with things like that, and I, I, I yeah. I've always wondered like, will this be? Will I love the time I spend getting used to using it, or I I'm just I don't know it like I'm curious, but it's never excited me from thinking about it to acting on it. In your own time, my friend. You're like, you'll In come around, own... Grasshopper. <laughs> yes, Grasshopper. You will absolutely come to it at some point. And I, if you call me, I'd be happy to just sketch through. Start with this. See if you like this. If you hate it, move on to something else. If you love it, there's a whole lot more Easter eggs in here for you. <laughs> Very cool. I may take yeah. you up on that. Thank you. Good. <laughs> And RJ, you know this is a show for frazzled women. And so yes. something I like to hear from my guests are just asking them about their experience of being a woman. And so one thing that's important to know is, is how would you define being a modern woman in 2016? That's a wonderful question. Being a modern woman... It is all about knowing what I want and going after what it is that I want. I'm not inconsiderate of the people around me. I love the people around me. I love to take care of the people around me. It's a wonderful thing. But I no longer do it at the expense of everything that I want to do. I find, you know, in my experience with the shoulds, um, the should covers want. Um, there was a point at which I didn't even know, like the point at which I departed from that job, I didn't know what I wanted anymore. I didn't know who I was anymore because of the obligation was weighing so heavily on me. Today I've grown out of that spot. 
it's it's been a few growing pains. Uh, it's been a few hard <laughs> things to go through. But right now, uh, being a modern woman in 2016 means I'll take your counsel, but I know what I want. And I'm part of my life and a great big part of the way that I feed myself mentally is going after those things without taking into account the billion shoulds that are out there. Boom. I feel like we should drop mics right here, but I have oh, more. I have a few more questions for you. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I think sort of piggybacking on that, that question, what would you like to see more modern women give more of a shit about? Oh, themselves. <laughs> that would be such In a, a word. <laughs> oh my God. We... We are, you know, I was talking about cultural shoulds. Oh, that's just never more present than people like us. Um, yep. We, you know, I find it everywhere. I find it in trying to shop for a birthday present for my niece. <laughs> I find it in the magazine stand as you stand in the checkout line. I find it in every billboard you'll ever look at. I, there, It's just the expectations as caregivers, the expectations as you should look good for your man, which makes yeah. me laugh anyway. Uh, but uh, I'm sure the, it makes Megan laugh too. <laughs> oh, oh, we giggle at the supermarket. Oh, it's a sight to see. Um, but the, you know, thinking about what everybody else wants, you know, uh, if you'd have asked me six months ago, what do you want for dinner? My response is the three closest places to where we're at right now and what I think you will like. <laughs> that has nothing to do with what I want for dinner. It has nothing to do with what I want to do tonight. If you can't figure out what you want to do tonight, if you don't know what you want there, how can you know about the lifelong wants that are simmering, simmering below this pile of shoulds? How can you know that? Um, so yeah, I, I would love to see women care about themselves more and uncover these wants so that we can have our own mission. You know, you see the, the pictures, right? The, the, on Facebook, the post this day in 1839, this woman scientist who was the first woman scientist <laughs> ever discovered this fabulous thing, which we all use every day now, but we never knew her name. That woman guarantee you she knew what she wanted and she went after it and i think that if we were all like that baby what a world it would be like very 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 great point and so i'm going to flip the question around on you now what okay. do you what do you think more women should give less of a shit about oh excellent question <laughs> <laughs> Hmm, I would, I'm going to have to say. Do we need to pull out the soapbox? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, can. I've got one. Right Soapboxes are allowed here. <laughs> Yay! I prefer Tide. Um, absolutely. So what, you know, in my experience, in the experience of a lot of my clients, the ex giving less of a shit about other people's expectations. Man, that'll drive That'll drive any woman crazy, along with the cultural stuff, uh, along with the everyday sexism that, oh, every yep. single day, um, giving less of a shit about other people's expectations. That stuff, it drives you more than you think. 
it drives you more than you know. And getting rid of that stuff and following what it is that you truly want to be and do. I mean, uh, I'm sure many people have read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Nope. Uh, she is the patron saint, if I believed in saints, of the modern <laughs> woman. Um, that absolutely, you know, that. And the first time I didn't even read Eat, Pray, Love, I saw the movie because I was on an international flight. And the moment she said that she was right smack in the middle of a life that she hated, but that she had created every, you know, she had created that experience every minute yep. of it. And she absolutely hated it. I thought, bingo, this woman is on to something. Um, that's the kind, that's the kind of life that if we were all leading, the world would be a very different place. Yes, our health would be different. Our happiness would be different. I mean, yes. levels would be through the roof. <laughs> through the roof. The world would be an explosion of color. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess before you, I let you step down off that box of Tide, what do you most want Le Vital Core Salon listeners to know? I want you to know that the value that you carry um, is so big. It's just so big. When you start to uncover what you really want and tap into that, the feeling is like absolutely nothing else. Uh, it's falling in love doesn't hold the candle to it. Um, the falling in love with your own life, falling in love with your own adventure, waking up wanting to be where you are every day is the most valuable thing. Baby, if somebody could bottle and sell that, uh, <laughs> they, you know, every street corner, sweethearts. And so, but it's not possible. It's not possible to bottle somebody else's discovery. One must do it themselves Take a step toward it today. Just take a step. Listen to Kara. She is amazing. <laughs> take a step toward your own self-discovery today. Your life, your health, everything will reflect that single step. That's what I would say. I'm not even going to try to add anything to that. I'm just going to leave that right there. <laughs> Thank you very much. My heart is pounding a little bit listening. but oh, I often was, have that effect on women. That yeah. was... <laughs> I love it. RJ, you are amazing. Thank if, you so much. If women want to learn more about you, your work, how can they do that? Well, the the most wonderful place to go is my Facebook community, everybody. My website's fine. It's rjredden.com, 2Ds, 1N, fantastic. Do it if you want. But the place where you're going to get to interact with me within seconds <laughs> is if you join the dojo on Facebook. It's my Facebook community. We, you know, the, the show originates from there. My people, my tribe, my grasshoppers are all there. Care is there. So, you know, it's I'm a cool hanging place. Out already. Too. Yeah, baby. Uh, come, come to us in the dojo and be part of our Facebook community. If Facebook's not what you, uh, you know, those communities aren't what you love, catch the show Monday through Thursday, 2 p.m. Central, Queen Ninja Guru Facebook page. Call it up. You don't even have to like the page to watch. See what we're doing. Become involved in it if you can. We're all walking this road together. I would love to walk it with a few of you as well amazing rj this 
I had high expectations for our conversation and that this would be incredibly <laughs> fun. There have been parts that made my heart just seriously fucking race a little bit more as we talk today. I love the work that you're doing out in the world and encouraging people to put away the shittiness, which sounds so close to shittiness, and and really live a life that matters beyond matters and i can't thank you enough for being so generous with your time and and being here today and sharing personal stories and tips and ideas and what's worked and what hasn't to help other women not to help other women dismantle bullshit to avoid burnout so thank you for helping me with my mission and this has been awesome I want to thank you for allowing me uh, to just come and talk with you because it's so, you're so very exciting to me. The project that you're doing, the conversations that you're trying to change. Good work, my friend. May the force be with you always. And uh, thank you for letting me come on your show. I'm so, I'm so humbled by that. Fantastic. They'll have to be a part two. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks again, RJ. You bet. Hiya, this is Kara again. Thanks for tuning in. All of today's show notes can be found at Le Vital Core Salon and then clicking on blog. New shows will be up the second and fourth Wednesdays of each month, so stay tuned and do come back. Before I bounce, I want to give a big merci beaucoup to my producer Craig Snyder and to Rishi Deer of Elephant Stone and the High Dials for my most excellent theme music. And don't forget, women, you deserve a life spiked with passion and slathered with joy. Don't let burnout or bullshit slow you down. Until next time.